All right, a great episode of Side Retired, the MLB podcast coming at you guys today. It'll be Dylan and Jack as always, and we'll be joined by Ben Porter today. So let's hit the intro music and then we'll get right into this. All right, it is Dylan and Jack, as always, and as you just heard, we're going to be joined by a third voice today. Ben Porter will be joining us. So before we get to Ben, Jack, how are you doing today? I know your Yankees are on a little bit of a real recently losing 10 of your last 12 games, but how's it going? I think, you know, we're all happy to be watching baseball. You know, two years ago, I think people questioned whether we'd be here uh, in the pandemic, so I'm just going to focus on that and not uh, (laughs) mention the poor play nor the... uh, the aggravation that has been causing the irritation but uh i think you know exciting to be here another one of these fantastic interviews with a a nice guest so we'll focus on the positive today rather than the uh sidebar negatives (laughs) sounds good so ben how about we'll let you introduce yourself to our listeners and sort of who are you kind of thing who am i that's a a good (laughs) good question um thank you guys for having me I am ecstatic that the Yankees are on such a, a bad streak right now. Um, I was born and raised in the Boston area. I played baseball my whole life. Um, I played college at Columbia University, uh, played against some, some really good players, against some really good programs in, in some cool stadiums. So um, plenty of baseball experience on the playing side. I have since retired and I'm now working in the sports betting industry. I, I look at baseball stats all day, pretty much um, in an effort to make sharp lines for sports books. So that's what I'm up to now. Um, but like I said, Boston born and raised. So I'm a, I'm a Red Sox fan through and through, but I keep up with just about the entire league. Sounds good. So obviously as we're going to, we previously mentioned, we're going to be talking a lot of sort of his experience at Columbia baseball, as well as just baseball in general. So Jack, I'll let you decide which direction you want to go in first and sort of get us started here kind of thing. I guess we'll start with the, the recent weekend, the, uh, the headline, I think Fernando Tatis being the biggest star in all of baseball and, uh, you know, someone who the younger generation really looks up to, I think, what what you thought, how that impacted, you know, the younger side and then how you think it makes a look on major league baseball with this kind of steroid era being reintroduced with one of its most prominent figures you know, testing positive, which we haven't seen a figure of his like stature test positive since, you know, Alex Rodriguez. And then before then, the, uh, the imposed, you know, and speculation associated with Bonds, McGuire, all those guys. Yeah, I think this is an interesting one, right? Like, I think that our generation, um, I'm grouping you guys in with me. I'm a little <laughs> older than you guys, but I think our generation almost looks back fondly on the steroid era. Um, when you see highlights from, you know, McGuire highlights, Bonds highlights, Sosa highlights, the 98 um, home run chase, right? Like we kind of remember it fondly because of how exciting it was and how powerful those guys were. That's not like what happened with Tatis. He wasn't shooting up steroids and gaining 75 pounds of muscle and hitting 65 bombs. It, It was kind of a weird one. It kind of came out of nowhere. He wasn't even playing. Um, it's just confusing. It's unfortunate for sure. Uh, but I don't think I've wrapped my head around it totally. It's obviously not something that you want in a young player because like, like you said, so many young guys look up to him. Um, but I think this is a real opportunity for him to 
try to show some maturity and, and some growth. And I think that the first step in that is being honest. And I don't know if that ringworm <laughs> explanation was a, was totally honest. So, um, that's kind of my initial thoughts on it. I don't know how we'll look at it 10 years down the line. He'll still be on his San Diego contract. Um, so he'll have plenty of opportunities to kind of do away with the stigma of cheating or performance enhancing drugs. But right now it's, it's just an unfortunate situation that, and people are kind of wondering what the hell happened and, and why. So that's a roundabout way of saying, you know, it's unfortunate, but I, I don't know entirely how we're going to look at it in the future. And I think with the Padres in general, you heard the comments from, I think it was Clevenger and Machado after sort of the game and when it was released, it seems like they were just saying he's got to grow up. I know the whole reason he was on the injured list in general was the, uh, what was it? it was the bike incident. I'm pretty sure that constant cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And then his, his answer to that question was, how did you get injured? He was like, which accident or something like that. Um, but in general, what's up with the Padres? I know they're still, 15 games behind the Dodgers, but it, I think they're probably still going to make the playoffs. So in general, sort of, do you think the Padres have a chance at making a deep run in October? Is this team sort of built to actually succeed? Or I know in probably the betting lines as well, say that the Mets and the Dodgers are the heavy favorites in the NL, but sort of sizing them up against all the other big teams in the league. Yeah. I mean, when you make the moves that they made at the deadline, you have to consider them a, a contender. Juan Soto, one of the best, hitters in the league, obviously Brandon Drury, who's like low key got mid twenties home runs. Um, <laughs> I don't know when the hell that happened, but, but he's a really good hitter as well. Josh bell, um, just an incredible lineup top to bottom. The pitching I would say has been a little bit lackluster. They lost yesterday with Musgrove on the Hill facing Sandy Alcantara. Um, I don't know. I think they're built for the postseason on paper, at least it's, it's whether they can kind of, get everybody on the same page in terms of morale and really become a team. Cause I don't think we've seen that from them fully. There have been moments, you know, the slam Diego thing last year was kind of the peak of their excitement. Um, Jorge Alfaro has been fun with some post-game interviews, stuff like that, but I think they can still kind of find an identity as a team and, and move past a good team on paper. So I think they've got some work to do. Obviously when you're tracing the Dodgers, it's, it's a tough task, but I think that they're built to beat anybody in any, any given series. So I think, you know, one of those moves, uh, the Padres did make, um, so, you know, they sent one of their marquee guys, you know, this is probably one that's under the radar, but to your team, the Boston Red Sox, Eric Hosmer, um, what kind of uh, your situation, you kind of the whole AL wildcard race is shaping up right now. I know one of those teams kind of probably on the outside looking in, we were in the race earlier. They, uh, they just fired their manager plus the Red Sox. You know, they kind of bought and sold. And right now it seems like we have three teams, you know, in total control of that race. So what, what do you make of it as, you know, someone who has a rooting interest in that? But like Yale wildcard right now, it's kind of shaping up as pretty wide open. I know the Sox, despite their poor player, about five games out. You know, they have other, there's other teams in the mix as well, the Orioles. Who do you think, you know, could be the three teams that emerge from that? And if so, like, how do you think it's going to shape up down the stretch that we have such a, you know, a fortuitous race and one that still has several high quality teams in the mix? Yeah, the AL is kind of a mess when you look at the, the wild card standings. Um, the Red Sox, it's one of those, what, what is the line from? Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back <laughs> in. Um, they beat the Yankees in a series. Oh, man, going to Fenway is such an amazing experience. I don't know if you guys have been there, but the crowd would not let you know that we're in last place in the division, right? And 
it's just a little bit confusing when the Yankees start to lose, the Blue Jays start to lose and the Orioles don't pick up much ground and the Red Sox have won it, but like not picked up much ground. Um, it's definitely confusing in terms of, of the division. I would never count out the Boston Red Sox just because of, you know, there's an accountability in Boston with the media, with the fans that a lot of other cities just don't have. Um, so when you get a guy like Tommy Pham, who's, kind of a psycho, right? When you get a guy like Eric Hosmer who left a weird situation in San Diego where they didn't really like him from what I've gathered since he left. Um, those guys can bring fire to a team that, that has not had it so far this season. And so we've seen some success in the past couple of days uh, since the, since the trade deadline, I'm not too optimistic. It's hard to tell what they're doing in terms of like from an executive level. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I enjoy the wins. The losses suck. Uh, it's tough to find a direction there. As far as who's going to be in the wild card, I mean, I love this Mariners team. They're in a, obviously in a difficult spot with the Astros ahead of you, but I love that team. Uh, they're a lot of fun. The, the AL Central is interesting with the White Sox. Obviously have a ton of talent, but haven't been top of the division like everybody thought that they would be. Um, and then the guardians and the twins are just kind of hanging around up there. They're winning games. Um, they get to beat up the whole division gets to beat up on the, the Royals and the Tigers, which is nice. So I think I like the Mariners. And then I'll be a, I'll be a Homer and say the Sox and the blue Jays, let's say Sox go on, Sox go on a run. I there are a lot of teams that I would like to see in the wild card, but there can only be three. So that's what I'll go with. All righty. And then also in the NL, it's a little more concrete in that you have the Dodgers and the Mets knock on wood really hard that they have locked up this division. And then probably the NL central seems to be either the Cardinals or the Brewers. And then the wild card, we've mentioned the Padres, probably the Braves, and then maybe the Phillies or the loser of that NL central race. What are your thoughts sort of, I don't think there's any other surprise contenders. I guess maybe the giants could sneak in, but sort of seven teams for six spots, anything else on the NL and anything like that. Um, I think that your Mets obviously have gotten a lot of shine rightfully. So they've had an amazing season. The Braves are really, really good, man. Spencer, (laughs) Spencer Strider is unbelievable guys. He's got a sick mustache. He throws a hundred. He's got nasty stuff. Um, and he's just one piece for them. Um, Kyle Wright's been great. Ian Anderson, Ian Anderson. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm saying, but, um, (laughs) the lineup super strong, obviously since Acuna got back, that team has potential to make another deep playoff run. So I wouldn't, wouldn't count all your eggs, uh, just yet in that division, but I don't think there are too many surprises here. Like you said, like the, the teams at the top are at the top, um, the wild card isn't nearly as close as the AL. So uh, there's nothing too surprising that would, that I think could pop up. I think that race in the division for the uh, NL East is going to be fun though. I think in general, it is now breaking news. Apparently that the Mets are calling up their number two prospect, Brett Beatty. He will be their starting third baseman. And with Luis Guillorme being out for the next three to four weeks. So we've seen the Braves have called up Michael Harris. And I think his name is Vaughn Grisham from double a straight. So it seems like the Mets are going to be doing the same as they've now called up Brett Beatty to be their third baseman with Luis Guillorme and Eduardo Escobar currently sidelined. So that's definitely an interesting note on the Mets pushing their tables or pushing their 
chips into the table. I know Mets fans are probably hoping for a Francisco Alvarez promotion at some point, but it does seem like Brett Beatty is probably the more, I don't know if it's fit on the team, but in general, it seems like something about him being that third baseman, whereas something's, they appear to like Tomas Nito. I don't know why or how, but McCann and Nito, they seem to be rocking with that duo as their catchers for now. Nito's a no, no batting gloves guy. So they need him in there when Guillaume <laughs> is uh, on the bench, but that's a good point with people getting called up. I think that the Yankees could learn something from that. How, how do you feel about, uh, you know, all those young guys sitting in the, in the minors? Uh, you know, at this point, I'm just hoping that it's because they're being stingy with, you know, service time that they're just waiting till September. But if I'm going with my gut, something tells me I'm going to be watching IKF in October, which I know, <laughs> I know he had, you know, the, his game of his life in Fenway, but he, you know, I don't think that he can be relied upon long-term, especially when there's, you know, serviceable, you know, guys in AAA right now who are at his level, arguably better already. So, you know, I think we've seen, you know, the Astros did it before the year with Pena, the Mariners with Julio Rodriguez, the Mets now doing it with Brady teams, you know, the Braves just did it as well. They've done it multiple times this year. So I hope that they're not just trying to squeeze it out another full year and they're going to wait till next year to run with the kids and that they do end up getting the call this year, especially if, you know, you, you have no idea what next year is going to bring. You're in one of the best divisions in baseball. It's it's a tough situation to be in, uh, period. Um, but, yeah, I think we really we touched the bases pretty well with MLB. I think now, you know, shifting over to you with college, um, you know, you did play at one of the most competitive schools academically. Um, what do you think was life was like as a college athlete? You know, just want to give a, a brief synopsis over that and, you know, what uh, what that entailed for you and how, you know, being playing four years in Division One baseball, what that uh, what that entailed for you in, in your uh, your academic and athletic careers. Yeah, um, it was a great experience. Um, I made some great friends, traveled to a lot of cool places, played against some really, really impressive competition. Even if we didn't win, it was a great experience. Um, won an Ivy League championship, which was awesome. Uh, probably the, I mean, definitely the highlight of, of the baseball career there uh, to kind of spend every day with a group of guys and kind of have that materialize in, into winning a conference is, is pretty special. Um, in terms of like day-to-day life experience, the life of a college athlete is very, very, very busy. Um, you know, you wake up, we weren't a team that did like 5am lifts or anything. So we were lucky in that regard, but you wake up 8am class, uh, 10am class, 12 class bus up to the field, practice three hours, conditioning, lift back to the campus, um, get a meal at whatever dining halls open. You know, it's, it's a grind. It's definitely a grind. Um, but it's kind of something that, that teaches you a, to work hard, to kind of prioritize, to become efficient at certain things. Um, maybe you learn some, some hacks that work for you. Maybe you're an overnight oats guy instead of, you know, I didn't eat breakfast, but like <laughs> maybe you got to find a way to do something like that and kind of figure out how to, um, how to get things done pretty much and make sure you can balance a really, really demanding workload and schedule. So definitely busy, learned a lot on, in that regard. Um, and then kind of being competitive every day is, is something that's both special, frustrating, um, and rewarding all at the same time, um, physically demanding, but more, more so mentally. I mean, and baseball is the hardest sport in terms of keeping a level head. So 
sometimes you want to make sure you can kind of compartmentalize the athletics, uh, from the, from the academics. Like when you come up to the field, you don't want to be thinking about the essay that you have to write when you get home from practice, right? When you're on campus, if you're sitting in class, you know, I was trying to stay awake a lot of the time, um, because we had practices or games, or we got finished with a game and took a red eye home on a Sunday night and had to be in class Monday morning. Um, you learn how to handle those types of situations, how to deal with difficult hours and difficult tasks and uh, make the best out of it. So overall, super rewarding experience. Some of my best friends still that I keep in touch with that I, that I met there. Um, yeah. Yeah. College baseball is, is, is awesome. It's a whole community, even the guys that you don't meet. Um, I feel connected to anybody who has ever played college baseball at any level, just because you can relate um, in terms of scheduling, in terms of dealing with, you know, dog shit facilities in, I'm sorry if you guys don't swear on here or whatever. Uh, if you guys, you know, you deal with bad facilities in, in summer ball and, you know, maybe you're eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches four times a day on the road, just so you can have something in your stuff. Like there's a bond between college baseball players just from kind of experiencing the same things that uh, that's really special. So it was a great experience. Definitely. That that's a <laughs> kind of a winding road. He said it was, it was great. Yeah, absolutely. And I know sort of, um, I tried to get on the team. Unfortunately, my 83, 84 fastball was not big enough, but I can sort of echo the sentiment in that, um, I'm now assisting them as an assistant pitching coach at Georgetown and sort of doing the analytics. And it's definitely a grind when it's Sunday night and coach wants you to have a pitching report and figure out why, player X's curveball isn't working, but you also have a paper due the next day. And it's sort of figuring out that nice balance between baseball and as well as the schoolwork. And Jack, I know you're definitely going to have the same as managing us with the podcast, as well as you're entering your senior year and all of the high school and college application process that you're going to go through. So I guess I know a lot of guys that probably listen to us are going through a similar thing that you did, Ben, in that their whole recruiting process slash figuring out what school works for you, both academically and athletically, I know you went to Columbia, which is a great school in both of those regards to sort of kind of take our listeners how you went through that whole process of figuring out where you wanted to go, how you ended up in a great spot in Columbia and all of that stuff. Yeah, um, recruiting can be frustrating. Obviously, baseball is a frustrating sport. And if like a coach is watching you during a frustrating stretch, like that can be demoralizing. I remember striking out and watching college coaches like literally get up and leave and walk away as I was like getting back to the dugout. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think the first thing is to establish like, do you want to play college baseball? If the answer is yes. I think you kind of have to look at yourself in terms of your ability. Um, if you are that caliber player, whether it be, JUCO, D1, D2, D3, et cetera. I think you kind of need to be a little bit realistic with yourself in terms of how good can I be? Um, you know, if you're not the best, <laughs> if you're not the best player on your team in high school, you're probably not going to North Carolina, right? Yeah. Like, sorry, but <laughs> that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that there isn't like a great place for you, right? Um, there are so many programs around the country there are so many programs looking for guys, both in terms of academics, 
and on the field in every position and um, from all areas in the country, different races, creeds, backgrounds, et cetera, et cetera. So there is a place for you. Um, I think, I think you should think about how you want to live. Um, don't necessarily think of, and this is different for everybody, right? And this is the, this is the difficult part is figuring out what's right for you. Um, I would say go, you know, money permitting, go to camps, um, visit campuses, go on college campus tours. Um, sometimes if you go to a camp, they'll offer you a tour afterwards. Um, if you get invited to a camp by a college coach, go. Uh, I would say take as many opportunities as you can financially, physically, et cetera. Um, and just kind of, just kind of feel it out. Talk to the coaches. Do you get a good feeling when you talk to the coaches? Um, do the guys, do the college players work the camps? Do they have good attitudes? Do you like that? Do you like how they're talking to you? Do you like how they're, you know, laughing with each other off on the side while the coaches are trying to keep your attention? You know, do you like what the campus looks like? Do the kids on campus look like they're absolutely <laughs> brutally tired and, and miserable or do they look happy or there are people playing frisbee on the lawns like all these things go into your college experience you're not going to be in the batter's box for four years right <laughs> the majority of it's going to be on campus um and so I, I would say consider that type of stuff anytime you're around a college anytime you're on a college baseball field um but definitely be realistic you can certainly have those goals i mean if you want to send a tape to the Virginia head coach, by all means, do it. But like, absolutely do it. Just don't be, don't be too hard on yourself if you don't hear back, right? Um, one more thing is do everything. If you are a high school kid listening to this, you got college baseball aspirations, do everything yourself. Don't have your parents email a college coach. Um, you know, and be bold with it, right? You can send a, send an email to a college coach, say, Hey coach, I'm really interested in your program. Um, uh, here, here's my video. Here are my stats from high school. I'm playing this schedule. I would love to chat more and have you come out and watch one of my games. Um, something is as easy as that goes a long way. It shows maturity. Um, it shows a little bit of confidence, which goes a long way, both on the field and off. And yeah, just try to take initiative that way. If you're passionate about a certain place, go to that camp, go to the campus, go to the campus and email the coach and say, Hey, I'm interested in the program. I'm going to be here on this weekend. Like, could you show me around? Can I meet you? Could I shake your hand? That type of thing. Um, but in terms of figuring out where you want to go, what you want to do, it's hard to know until you're there. Right. So you can look at every brochure on the internet for every college and there's going to be, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get, there's going to be a white kid, a black kid, an Asian kid, and a kid in a wheelchair <laughs> smiling and laughing and reading a book, right? It's all going to look the same, no matter what <laughs> brochure you look at. Um, so you got to go there, get the experience and really get a feel for, get a feel for how you will react in a certain situation. Absolutely. And I think also what we're hearing from a lot of our guests is that the worst thing that can happen is someone says no, or they just don't respond. So there's no <laughs> harm in just reaching out to someone and sort of saying, here's who I am. And obviously only good things can come out of it because they're not going to come and harm you. They're not going to come and hurt you. There's nothing, nothing bad could happen from sending an email to someone. Um, sort of that yeah. I think this, this applies to things, you know, way more than baseball. I give this yeah. to 
this people give and get this advice all the time. I say this to my friends, if I want them to, if they want to talk to a girl at a bar, right. <laughs> even though, even though I may not have done that the, you know, the weekend before, well, whatever it is, like having that mindset, being able to, our coach always said, be comfortable being uncomfortable. It's something that a lot of coaches say at, at every level. Um, that's something that's important. And if, if you're really nervous about sending an email to a coach, the only way you're going to get over that is by doing it. And once you hit send, it's like this huge relief <laughs> off of your shoulders. Like it'll be like, Oh my God, like, well, what's going to happen? You hit send. And you're like, Oh, like, you know what? <laughs> it's out of my hands. It's sent either. I get an email back. It's a polite. No, and you're like, all right, well, I'm glad I did that. Now I know, or you get a yes. And then you, uh, and then you go for it. So yeah. That's exactly right. The worst thing that they can do is say no. And if they don't say no, if they don't say no politely, and if they're aggressive with their no, then you don't want to be there in the first place because that's not a program that you want to be part of. Sounds good. So obviously, as a betting man like yourself, we will end up with saying, I know we asked some of our guests this, but as a better, we're definitely going to ask you this for two bold predictions for the rest of the MLB season. It could be about free agency, playoffs, anything fun. I know we've had a couple that include that Travis Darno would be an all-star, and that turned out to be true. We had one that said Joey Gallo's hitting 50 homers this year. I think he's at 12 or maybe 13. I know someone said that David Wright's number is going to get retired, so it can really be about anything with sort of two boldish predictions that you have for baseball in general. All right. Um well, one of these was from one of my preseason uh, um, bold predictions and time is running out, but there is still time. And that is that um, O'Neill Cruz will break the exit velocity record. So that's one of them. I think it's like 122.2 or something, but mm -hmm. that guy's a, a total freak. <laughs> and I think if he, you know, hits one right on the screws, it could happen. So that's one. Um, and then I will go with as a betting man, and I'm not advocating betting because you guys <laughs> probably aren't even 21 yet. Um, you're definitely not. <laughs> Jack. So don't, don't bet. If you're not 21, don't bet. If you play college baseball at all, I have to say that. Um, but I like the Mariners. I I'm going, I'm sticking with the Mariners. I think that they're a long shot and, it's no fun to just roll the dice with the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Astros, you know, there's no fun in that. So I like the, I like the Mariners. They're a fun team to watch. They've got a great fan base, um, great stadium. So I would love to see them in late October playing baseball. So that those are my two. I like, and that's also stadium, I believe with a roof. So the world series this year being on November 5th, wouldn't be that cold if there's a roof, but I mean, if, World Series is in Minneapolis, Minnesota this year on November 5th. I'm sure there will not be a lot of happy baseball fans if that is indeed to occur. <laughs> it's kind of crazy that they have. It's kind of crazy that the most important series is <laughs> happen yeah. in late October and November in any location, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I don't know. Well, it's definitely, I know the season, I think got postponed a week or two at the beginning, which caused this to occur, but tend to agree i remember back in 2015 world series games in november which we lost almost every single one of those but it was freezing in blankets and 10 degrees in queens and 
would have been fun if they won, but they did not win that series. But I mean, that, that's this- another thing. That's another thing you get playing college baseball, right? Like yeah. you, have snow, you have snow on the field sometimes, um, <laughs> depending, on, depending on where you play, obviously. But if you're north of the Mason-Dixon line, you're probably going to have that experience <laughs> a little bit. And, uh, you know, had plenty of practices in 33 degrees because we wouldn't practice if it was below freezing. But if it, if it wasn't, we would. So <laughs> you, you go through a lot of experiences like that. And uh, it's fun to fun to chat about it when you meet other other college baseball guys out in the wild. Sounds good. Well, obviously, we appreciate, Ben, all of the time that you gave us today talking college baseball, real baseball, some betting there at the end, which Jack and I will not be doing because we are not 21 yet. There we go. We're going to do that out Good. there yes. but sure ben will get all the credit in the world here if o'neill cruz breaks the exit velocity record or if the seattle mariners go on a nice little run this october well jack i don't know if there's anything else you want to throw in here ben we definitely appreciate all the fun insight laughs and funs that you had with us over the last half an hour or so yeah thank you guys for for having me on one last thing if you are listening if you're trying to play college baseball Try to enjoy the recruiting process. It can knock you down sometimes, but you look back at it and kind of kind of smile and laugh. So try to try to enjoy it while it's happening. You'll play better on the field and, and you'll enjoy your life more off of it. So I'll sign off with that. Sounds good. So thank you so much, Ben. Jack and I will be right back, but for now, the side is retired. Great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeatGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeatGeek.com and use promo code SideRetiredPod in all capitals, for $20 off your first order. We've got you covered from all things ranging from sporting events to concerts, including the New York Mets, New York Yankees, and Big Time Rush. Yes, this means we're officially taking you out to the ballgame. And now for the rest of today's edition of Side Retired Podcast. All right, Jack, well, that was a fun episode that we just had interview with Ben Porter, where we talked a lot about MLB. I know we mentioned Fernando Tatis Jr., as well as the Texas Rangers firing Chris Woodward, a bunch, a bunch of other things, including Brett Beatty getting promoted to the big leagues, as well as Ben talking about his college baseball experience from recruiting to his time with Columbia University, as well as advice to other professional and college and high school baseball players looking to continue on their own journey as well. Of course, you can find us at Side Retired Pod, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Let us know if you have any questions. I know we have James Tausig on board, who is a college baseball player himself. He can answer some questions as well as Ben. So make sure to let us know anything you want to know. Until the next time, for Dylan, James, and Jack, the side is retired.